Hi everybody and welcome to SCL, the Subject, Composition and Light Photography Podcast. My name's Rob from robnonphoto.com and this is my little audio diary about my journey through the wonderful world of photography. Well, I hope everybody's had a good few weeks. Um, I've, um, I, I, I haven't actually done that much photography actually until recently, until over the last few days. I had a week off work just using up some of my annual holiday leave before the end of the holiday year last week but I kind of planned to do a lot of stuff but I didn't get round to it because the old um the old motor the old car was due its MOT and I've had the little Hyundai Amica for quite a while now it was Suzanne's old car and it kind of got handed down to me when my uh, beloved Renault Laguna um nice car that was that failed so uh Suzanne then got a newer Micra, and I was stuck with the Amica. But it was—it's done all right. But the MOTs have got been getting a little bit more expensive, and it started to drip oil. And there's a funny knocking sound coming from the back. <laughs> so we kind of decided it was time to not put any more good money after bad on that car, and um, we went out looking for another another motor, if you like. Um, and I kind of—it's funny enough—I was looking at big cars because I like big cars. Mondeos, BMWs, maybe a. Um, uh, maybe a Vectra or something like that, but funnily enough, I ended up with another smaller car. We were going round, and we were at a garage in Southampton, and there was a red Yaris, which is a small small Toyota thing. And um, normally I'd never buy a red car, because the problem is with red cars, the paint fades, isn't it, over time? But this was really nice red, and I thought, oh, I quite like that. But I kind of walked away, because I was looking for bigger cars, and in fact, we'd gone to that garage to look at a diesel Mondeo, but then again, Suzanne said, no, go and have another look at it. And I went and looked at it. It was just under, it was about, I think it was 4.7, I think it was up for. And, um, yeah, it was really nice inside. It had only done like 20, uh, 27,000 miles, I think. So it was quite, a, you know, a low mileage, 2010 model. Um, very, very nice. And uh, they're well known for doing loads of miles to the gallon. You can get like 65 miles to the gallon out of them. And uh, it's only £30 road tax. Now, for the UK, that you'll probably be going, wow, <laughs> that's cheap. Because I know Suzanne's Micro and my, and my old Amica, they were, I think, £180 a year road tax. Um, and the uh, this because of the efficiency of the engine, I guess, and the fact that it doesn't dump out too many pollutants, you only have to pay £30 a year. And I went, wow, that's amazing. So I took it out for a test drive. You know, I mean, it, it's a nice drive. I mean, like any small cars that that have got small engines, it's a bit buzzy. But for the type of driving I do, which is basically backwards and forwards to work along some normal roads and some motorways, it's kind of perfect. And I took it on a long run to Haywards Heath to pick up and drop off Valentino, and I managed to get 65 miles to the gallon out of it. And that's doing sort of 70 down the motorway and quite a bit of traffic as well. So well chuffed with that nice little car. Um, funny enough, you go out looking for one thing and you end up with something else. So I didn't get out that week to do much photography, but on the Sunday night, I kind of kicked myself in the butt to go out and take some night photos for our uh, assignment for this month, which has been um, dark, is it dark, low light photography, wasn't it? Um, and I've always had my eye on this petrol station, which is on the Gospel Ferrum Road, and it's a SO. And it's always, well, like most petrol stations, it's all nicely lit up with neon lights and it has like the white SO, is it white and blue? White and red, I can't remember, but the SO sign and it's uh, part of the 
something bean cafe or something so it's got a big yellow sign on it as well and I always thought that would make a nice subject but I've never got around to going out and taking photos so on Sunday night I jumped in the new car went up to Fairham parked up and then went you know went out in the dark sort of taking photos of it and I have to admit I did feel a bit odd to start off with because I guess most people wouldn't see something like a petrol station as a interesting photographic subject now lots of photographers would because you know we know you know that they're bright colors and there's stuff going on but members of the public weren't probably won't and I was kind of a little bit worried that somebody might think I was up to no good but I, I must have spent 20 minutes wandering up and down taking the photos of this petrol station admittedly it was from across the road I wasn't right up close to it but lots of people went past and nobody said anything so that was quite good and I've uploaded one of the photos from there to our Flickr uh, group to go in the uh, dark, um, low light, low key uh, photography thread. Um, I don't know if that's the one I'll submit to Amateur Photographer of the Year. Um, I don't know, we'll have to see. I think, like I said in the last post- podcast, what I'm going to do probably tonight actually, because it's the you've got to get them in for the 29th, I'll go through and look at all my dark photos from over the last several years and find the best one and submit that one to APOI. Because I think that's what everybody else does. They don't go out and go, right, I want to take a photo in March and submit that one. And what else did I do? Um, I had a go at shooting the moon as well, but that they didn't come out very well. It must have been a little bit... Well, the thing was, I didn't have my tripod with me, so I was trying to do handheld shots of the moon, which, although the shutter speed wasn't that slow, um, it's never a particularly good idea. (laughs) But anyway, um, we were lucky enough over the last few days to have a big American nuclear aircraft carrier come into the Solent, the USS Theodore Roosevelt um, CBN-71, also known as the Big Stick. So that was another opportunity to go down to Stokes Bay and take some night photos of that massive uh, ship and that was quite challenging again because american carriers well american ships in general they tend to um, not be that well lit up at night they have like a necklace of lights that kind of create an inverted v over the ship but they don't use that many spotlights on the superstructure or the sides of the ship to light it up so i wasn't that particular particularly pleased with with the photo i took again it's up on my Flickr photo stream if you want to check it out um, but what I did, because I had my tripod with me this time, I then took some better shots of the moon. So I managed to, you know, use live view on the 600D, zoom in, do manual focusing, um, and then adjust the exposure down um, to to bring out some details. And it was kind of okay, but I'm never that happy with my moon shots. I always feel like I need more more reach than the 250 uh, will give me. I'll have to dig out the 300 and and give that a go, I guess, and maybe even have another go with the uh, two-time teleconverter I've got as well on the 300 to see see how that comes out. But I was very pleased that I actually managed to get out and take some photos. Um, and uh, it kind of reinvigorated me again, to be honest. Um, and so today, another day off, spring has finally sprung. Beautiful day, got up really early. Suzanne went off to work and I did a photo walk down Gosport High Street, kind of my version, my attempt at street photography. Again, it's my hometown, so I always feel a little bit uncomfortable I guess wandering around taking photographs now I'm not like a street photographer like I don't know Gary Winogrand or um, any of those guys you know who can go up to people and take pictures I tend to pretend that I'm taking pictures of something else and as people walk past I click the shutter but I always feel a bit self-conscious especially as you know my 600 dt 3 i it's quite noisy you know you can hear it going as it takes the photos 
Um, and it wasn't actually that busy as well at 8 o'clock. I thought it would be a much more busy than it was. There wasn't that many people walking down the high street. But I went down the high street, took some photos, went around the harbour area, took some photos there, and then went back to the car. Um, again, I was kind of just exercising that photography muscle, isn't it? Getting out there and actually taking some photos. Even if you think maybe there's nothing that, there that you're going to going to be a keeper. It's just uh, it just feels great. The, the, I don't think there's much things better you can do, um, you know, <laughs> with your clothes on, than wander around with a camera taking photos on a beautiful sunny day. It really is. Uh, I really do enjoy it an awful lot. But anyway. Um, it was still only about half past nine, so I nipped to the uh, waterfront, one of the waterfront areas of Gosport, where there's a, a new marina just up from Millennium Bridge to do some test shots, because I'm going to do a YouTube video pretty soon um, of uh, kind of a test between the 18 to 55, the 40 mil and the 50 mil primes to kind of answer that question, um, is the 18 to 55... Sorry, is the 50 mil uh, 1.8 or the 40 mil 2.8, are they really sharper than your kit lens? Um, so I took some test shots, uh, you know, at 40 mil and at 50 mil with the 18 to 55, and then with those respective lenses at um, like wide open and at f/8, just to just to you know test that is it really that much difference um, in quality? You know, is it really worth carrying around your 40 and your 50 beyond the fact that having a fixed focal length lens is always good because it, it forces you to make decisions about the scene in front of you. Um, whereas with the zoom you can just zoom in and out and it and it and it's easy beyond that is it actually is the glass better um and uh, it kind of feeds into the idea of crop factors as well if you follow tony northrup on uh, youtube you'll know that recently he did some work on crop factors and explaining that crop factors don't just apply to focal lengths but they also apply to apertures uh, and noise and um depth of field as well and depth of field as well that's right um and it's really interesting now lots of people you might be listening to this and think well of course we know that we know the fact that on a canon for example if you want to compare uh lenses if you've got a crop sensor body like my 600d t3i and you've got something like a, a 50 millimeter lens on a crop sensor body it doesn't behave like a 50 mil lens does on a full frame sensor or an old 35 millimeter camera you have to time to buy 1.6 so it's more like you know a 76 millimeter lens something like that um and when you go to camera manufacturers websites like uh, canon and they'll list like say the 70 to uh, 300 lens they'll say uh, this is the 73 70 to 300 um uh, which behaves on a crop sensor body like a 112 to 480 millimeter lens. So often you think, oh, that's brilliant because I'm into sports photography or I'm into wildlife photography. Having that reach is just like having getting something for nothing, isn't it? You're just getting a super long lens because super long lenses are often the most expensive pieces of glass to buy. And it's like, oh, right, cool. Um, I'm not really that bothered at the wide end. And in fact, our kit lens, you know, our 18 to 55s, the 18 is pretty wide, isn't it? So you know, crop sensor, fantastic. But what they don't tell you, and you may well know this already, but what they don't tell you is you've got to apply the crop factor to the sensor, to, sorry, to the aperture as well. So that 70 to 300, which is 112 to 480, is in fact the equivalent of 112 to 480 millimeter lens, great, but the aperture's equivalent to an f6.4 to an f9, 
which is really slow, isn't it? So you're thinking, oh, well, that doesn't sound too appetising, to be honest. And it gives you an idea of how hard your camera is going to have to work with that lens in order to come up with decent images. In other words, you're going to have to bump up the ISO to keep the shutter speed up, which you know isn't isn't great for wildlife or um, sports photography. You know, would you really go out and try and shoot sports with an f9 lens at 300, uh, 480 millimeters? You know, it kind of um, it doesn't make any difference to the fact that you can still go out and use these lenses and take great photos, but it kind of opens your eyes a little bit because, especially in uh, his work, Tony was explaining the fact that. Uh, say with mirrorless cameras, often that they they kind of sell their I'm probably going to get this wrong now, but their 35 to 100 lenses, 35 to 100 2.8s are the same or the equivalent of a 70 to 200 2.8, like on a Canon or Nikon. But they're not. They might be the same in terms of focal length, but in terms of aperture they won't give you the same results because you've got to uh, multiply it by two with most mirrorless cameras so it's the same as a 70 to 200 but um a uh whatever whatever uh, 2.8 times 1.6 or 1.5 is so um so then you know you don't get the same depth of field out of them and i thought that was really interesting and it kind of you kind of start to understand really why full frame why people pay the extra for full frame? Because you end up having pictures with less noise because the sensor just doesn't have to work quite as hard because there's more light falling on it um, at any particular aperture. And again, it doesn't affect the, you know, the fact that LAR lenses can be great and can be sharp, but it kind of makes you a more informed consumer, I think, and it doesn't kind of pull the wool over your eyes about apertures. And what it made me really think about was in order to kind of make up for for the crop factor in terms of aperture would be to really concentrate on primes i'm starting to think that maybe my ideal setup would be something like uh the new canon 10 to 18 super wide angle zoom uh for the wide end then so then like the 40 mil 2.8 uh pancake lens which i've got for as for generally walking around i know it's a little bit telephoto but we could be cool and then something like the 85 millimeter f 1.8 for more zoomed in stuff or you know or for portraits because that that would be perfect for that um so yeah kind of kind of thinking about obviously the problem is i don't own the 10 to 18 and i don't own the 85 millimeter so something's got to give there maybe well i think i've definitely got to sell the 70 to 300 uh 35 to 56 is which i should be able to get a couple of hundred pounds for um and that would pay for the 10 to 18 or maybe I would go for the 80 to 85 f1.8. I don't know. But anyway, just some um, just some ideas there. Now, I also wanted to mention the fact that if you're watching this on or around the 27th of March, 28th of March, that if you are thinking of putting your photos into uh, Amateur Photographer of the Year for this month's assignment, you've got to do it before midnight on the 29th, that midnight UK time, so they need to be sent in pretty quick. But remember, you don't have to, and all part of doing the photo assignments on Flickr, it's all about fun, it's just all about getting out there and maybe taking some photos that you normally wouldn't have done because it's always better to someone, for someone to give you an assignment about things to do that forces you to go out there and do it because you, you never know what other things you might capture as well. But anyway, the assignment for next month, and again, we're mirroring the Amateur Photographer of the Year assignments, is, he said, abstract photography. So when you're out and about, look for shapes, look for 
shadows, look for anything that might be abstract. Maybe do some zoom blur, maybe do some camera blur. Um, anything For me, anything abstract is anything where you're not quite sure what it is a photograph of, and that's an abstract. And you can go over and submit them to the robinandphoto.com uh, Flickr group. Uh, put them in, I'll put a new thread up probably after the 29th, uh, something like that. Um, and then if you feel like it, you can submit them to Amateur Photographer of the Year. And remember, feel free to add old images to that thread as well. So if you've got some old, lovely abstracts, stick them in because that will help to inspire us to have some ideas of our own. Um, maybe we can adapt them with our abstract images. Thanks again for everybody for taking part. Um, it really, There is really some amazing images going on over there. Remember, it's free to join Flickr. You get lots of free photo backup space there as well. I think you get two gigabytes, so it's a bit of a no-brainer. Go for it. And don't worry, if you're thinking, well, my photos aren't good enough, trust me, they are. doesn't matter. Nobody criticizes anything. Just put them over there. And uh, yeah, and you'll gain inspiration from other people as well. Uh, also, there's a little bit of uh, late news. Did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, it as well. If you're in the UK, I don't know if this applies to America and the rest of the world as well, but the spring summer versions of a couple of really good fashion magazines are out. Um, Rankin's Hunger magazine has just come out, and uh, Love magazine has come out as well. Um, and if you're into portrait photography or fashion editorial photography, that sort of thing. Um, they're worth getting. They're about six quid each. They've gone up in price a little bit, but they're really thick. There's hundreds of images, and to be honest, I tend to buy them mostly for the adverts um, because the adverts tend to be amazing photographs. Um, but anyway, yeah, if you've if you've got some cash, go down to your local Derrick Smith and pick those up. Well, that's enough for me. Um, it just reminds, just remains for me to thank everybody for taking part in the Flickr group, uh, putting comments on robinandphoto.com, um, commenting on my YouTube videos. I love that sort of stuff. Um, but most of all, I'd like to thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. My name's Rob from robinandphoto.com, and hopefully pretty soon I'll see you on Flickr.